Hello, Saubona, how's it, Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to the Every Nation podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Good morning, everyone. Come on, good to see you all this morning. Well done for getting up and getting out of bed and getting into the house of the Lord. Um, I know these mornings now are just getting chilly, man. It's like, come on, extra points in heaven, eh? Amen. Uh, Merv, it's your birthday today, hey? The big five, zero. Five, zero. Come on, man. Congrats to you. Really amazing. Um, Yeah, and we're just like a week away from comrades, so I'm like, I don't know about you, but I'm just getting, you know, my muscles relaxed and stretched. Who else is running with me next week? Anybody else? Why are you laughing? Because <laughs> you know me. Hey, you know me. And like, if I have to drive that far, I'm upset. So we need to pray for all our runners. I, I think, who's, who's running? I think Nkeka is going to be running. Derek, I think, is going to be running. Yeah. Um, so to, to those guys who are actually crazy enough to, to run the comrades, may this be a week of great rest. <laughs> So, guys, today we are wrapping up our series called Made for Connection, and I hope it's been good for you. It's really been a a great series. I found very practical um, and uh, lots of great pointers on how we can build better relationships. I heard a statement a while ago that said, the quality of your life is the quality of your relationships. And it's true. Hey, we are. We're made for relationship you know, our relationship firstly with God, then our relationship with each other, and even ourselves. Life consists in in our relationships and the quality that these relationships are. And so I hope it's been a good uh, time for you just to examine your relationships. Today, my message, which I'm really excited about, is singleness is a problem to solve. (laughs) <laughs> this, this, is, this is my message title for today, and I'm going to be talking to all the singles in the house, and I can already feel like we're just getting warmed up now, hey, this is, we're going to be, <laughs> uh, some of you are getting uncomfortable, some of you are getting excited, married people don't go to sleep, okay, please, this message is almost more for you today. Okay, so, so let's get into it. Have you noticed in the world that we live in, the world that we live in, it, there are, it's full of stereotypes and narratives and opinions that are entrenched in society. So, and, and it's very hard to break out of those stereotypes. I want you to imagine for a moment this morning that if I was Imagine I wrote an article about you every day of your life, and I said things in that article that are not really true. They're just like whatever I think about you. And imagine I didn't just write an article about you every single day and publish it, but I actually had a YouTube channel and a podcast channel and a TV channel, and it was all about you, and it was all my just opinion about you. And imagine that everybody listens to it, and everybody was tuning in every day. I would like to say one day, you know what, Nosipo is sad today. 
And everybody would go, ah, oh, because they're all watching the channel. Oh, Nosipo's sad today. How can she live happy when the, the public opinion and the, the narrative that's out there is that, no, she is? She's, a, she's sad. She would be like, no, I'm, I'm not sad. I'm going to show everybody. I'm going to smile. And everybody would go, oh, shame. She's so sad <laughs> that, she's, <laughs> that she's even not trying to smile. You know, oh. You know, shame, sweet, you know? So this, this, welcome to the world of being single in 2023. What do I mean by that? Well, there is a narrative out there. It's pervasive, it's powerful, it's coming through every channel and every media form that there is, and it says this one thing, that singleness is a problem, and you need to solve it. Like, we just can't, we can't have this thing, and you can't have this thing, and it's not good if you have this thing, and if you are single, it's a problem, and we need to solve it in the world, and that's none so as true as in the church of Jesus Christ, amen? Let's get uncomfortable on our seats. <laughs> so it's hard to break out of these narratives that exist, and, this, and when it comes to singleness, this narrative is, is out there. And it's pervasive, and it, like, it hangs over our heads, and it stalks us at night. And when we are alone, it tries to tell us how we should be feeling about being single. And then it gets these ideas into our minds that we need to try and solve this thing as quick as possible. The narrative, case in point, let me give you an example. I came across this article that's out there that says, singleness is a bus stop where singleness is a bus stop where you wait to get on the coach of love. Singleness is a bus stop. How many of you have ever been to an exciting, awesome bus stop? <laughs> it just doesn't exist. Hey, bus stops are like, oh, they're necessary, but you don't want to be there any longer than what you have to be. They're awkward spaces, you know? People come in and you, can I talk? No, it's not, everyone's on the phone. Okay, we're all on our phones. Okay, it's like this awkward space and everyone gets on their bus, they're all just, they're just trying to get out of there to get on the bus and get going. How many of you have been at a bus stop and everybody gets on their bus, but your bus doesn't come? Not a nice feeling, hey. So they were like, great, oh, there's a few of us here, this awesome, and then this one goes, and then this one's lift comes, and this one, I mean, you felt this when you, like at school, like everybody got picked up and you got left behind. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? And then you're at the bus stop and you're all alone. How does it feel? It feels like everybody's moving ahead. It feels like everybody's getting on with their life and you're stuck in the, in the bus stop, Right? The bus stop is not an exciting place. The bus stop is a place where we are waiting to get on what? The bus. And in this illustration, what is the bus? Love, sex, romance, marriage. Come on. Don't we live in a world where the bus, the real life, is 
the happy life, the happily ever after life is when boy meets girl and they ride off into the sunset and there's these feelings of love and they're hashtagging couple goals, we're doing it, you know, and they sunset pictures and there's like his toothbrush and her toothbrush and her shoes and his shoes and there's, there's all this her and him and, and there's all this glitz and this glamour and it all started in the Garden of Eden when Adam was like, whoa, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And then we have Juliet going, oh, Romeo, Romeo, where art thou, Romeo? And then we have Shrek and Fiona, love's true kiss. You know, it's like, from every form of media and everywhere we go, this thing of love, sex, romance, it's just exalted. Guys, it's actually even worshipped in the culture we're in. And singleness, it's a bus stop. It's just a bus stop. You kind of just kind of wait for your ride. Hope that that one comes along. It's an undesirable, in, our, in the world we see in, live in, singleness is seen as an undesirable, transient state of life not yet fully realized. You know, about 200 years ago, Jane Austen, any Jane Austen fans? My wife. Oh, and a few others. Great. Jane Austen wrote a novel called Pride and Prejudice. And the novel starts was arguably one of the, the most <laughs> longest dying of thousand deaths. It's, it's like it's up there with the notebook, you know? It's, <laughs> it's really hectic, all right? It starts with these famous words, which are arguably some of the most famous words in all of literature. It's the words, it is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. You know, when you look at those words, and, and this is 200 years ago, guys. 200 years ago, it's a universally accepted, tr acknowledged truth that if there's a guy out there and he's now finished varsity and he has a car and a job, he must be doing what? Like, what else is there, hey? Like, in the world we live in, it's like money, tech, all right, got the good fortune, and then what marriage is next. Like, those are the only two goals in society. Later on in the book, it says these words. It says, a single woman in possession of a few more good years. In other words, she's still quite young, right? <laughs> quite. Must be What? In search of a husband. What else is there in life for a young lady who's got many days in front of her, her whole life is ready? What, what is her goal, her aim, her ambition? It must be that she is in search, hunting, where is he, of a husband. Nothing much has changed in 200 years. If you are single and you're under the age of 30, you know what I'm talking about. You are continually quizzed on, hi, so have you met anyone yet? Is there somebody special in your life yet? When are you planning, when you go to those family functions and there's always that aunt, when are you planning on getting married? Right, the question is always there and it's like everybody wants to know the answer to that thing, all right? They don't gonna ask you about, oh, studies, yeah, yeah, cool. 
are you going to get married? <laughs> it's all about that thing, right? And if you are single and you're over the age of 30, it's like, you're, you, it's like you've got the flu. It's like, it, it's kind of like, come on, let's just be honest. It's kind of like, um, sorry, champ, hey. Get better soon. They're on the way, champ. Hang in there, brother. Girl, he's on the way, he's coming. You stand strong, girl. You know what I mean? It's like, there's all these, like, things going out to try and reassure you like you're, like you're actually sick, but heck, you're not sick in any way. And <laughs> unfortunately, when we come into the church context, these pressures are not relieved, but they're actually amplified. If singleness is seen in the world as a problem that needs to be solved, then in the church, it's an absolute travesty. It is a disaster. It is like all hands on deck. Beaver, somebody is single in the church. Sound the alarm, sound the alarm. We all need to work together quickly. And it starts with the pastor. He's always introducing people as the single man eligible bachelors. Why are you tapping? <laughs> <clears throat> Thank you for those announcements, Bonello. Reminder church that Bonello is an eligible young bachelor in the house. You know? <laughs> and it's like the married people in church, it's like we, there's this unspoken code, like they're working as a team. And we, and we, just, we just do these nods. Okay, you got, you got this one. Okay, you got that one. And then we come along and it's like, hey, so um, have you met so-and-so on the sound team? They, I think you guys should meet. Or, hey, do you want to come over to our house because this so-and-so is coming for dinner and I'd really like it if you guys, it's like all the married couples, we really feel like we have to solve the singleness problem for the singles. It's like, it's true, amen? Isn't it right? Married people, come on, I think it's time we need to repent in sackcloth and ashes. For what's going on here? And the worst thing in church as well is this, is that we're always celebrating engagements. Ladies and gentlemen, we're just so proud to announce that JR and Asipa got engaged last weekend. Everyone's like, yay, finally. <laughs> All the married couples are like high-fiving each other like, oh, we did it, we got them there. Finally. <laughs> and then the next announcement, like a few months later, we want to celebrate. Jay and Asipa got married. Everyone cheers. And then like nine months later, it's like, they're having a baby. And everybody cheers. <laughs> and then it's like 10 years later, and it's like, it's their anniversary. Yay! Everybody cheers, you know. I mean, come on, we were doing that last week. We were cheering for people who've been married for more than like 20 years. We were all like clapping. But how often do you ever have like a moment in church where we go, you know what, so-and-so has been single for 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Come on. Don't lie, you're just in the moment right there. If we had to do that, you would be like, yes. Would you be cheerful this in church? You know, it's, if it's a problem out there, it's definitely a problem in here. And with all this pressure and all this stuff going on, how is it possible to be single and happy? Single and fulfilled? Single and satisfied? When this is the narrative and when this is the culture that we live in, how can we possibly have singles who feel satisfied where they're at in life? The answer is actually profoundly simple. It's found in John 8, verse 32, a very small verse in the Bible. It's funny, you know, in all our celebrations of like, our, actually our worship, our inordinate, ridiculous worship of love, sex, and romance, both outside the church and in, inside the church, and our denigrating of the life of singleness and singleness being a bus stop, that we've forgotten to ask one very important question in the process. And the question is, is it true? Jesus said in John 8, verse 32, you will know the, and? So is it true that singleness is a problem that we need to solve? Is this really a problem? Is this what the Bible is teaching? Let's go to the Bible today and let's get some truth on what the Bible is actually says about singleness. And to all the singles here this morning, this word is going to encourage you. This word is gonna set you free. It's gonna enable you to be fulfilled, happy, uh, successful, and at where you are as you are, amen? And to all the married people, this word is gonna convict you and cause you to humble yourself and repent in sackcloth and ashes as I am <laughs> this morning, criminal number one <laughs> on this topic of singleness. So shall we get into the word of God? We're gonna go to 1 Corinthians 7, but let's just pray before we do. Father in heaven, we commit this time to you. We believe that your plans for us are good, but that everything good starts with your word. Your word brings life, healing, and direction. And so we treasure your word more than our daily bread. And we boldly confess this morning that our minds are alert, our hearts are receptive, and we say, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. Are you in 1 Corinthians 7? All right, let's go there. We're just gonna anchor ourselves in this passage, and what are we looking for? We're just looking for some truths. And I, and I pray that as we just read the word of God this morning, the truth is just gonna wash over us, it's gonna set us free, it's gonna correct us, it's gonna rebuke us, it's gonna train us in righteousness that we can be a community that really thinks right on the topic of singleness. So 1 Corinthians 7 verse 7, I'm gonna read from the message because it just puts it so good. Look at what Paul says. He says, sometimes I wish everyone were single like me. You. <laughs> Married people, okay, just settle down. Settle down, step back. You thought you reached the pinnacle. Just hold on, okay? 
Sometimes I wish everyone were single like me. A simpler life in many ways. But celibacy is not for everyone any more than marriage is. So what are we learning? There's some called for celibacy and there's some called for marriage. What we're learning immediately is one is not better than the other. Okay? Look what he goes on. He says, God gives the gift of the single life to some. These are powerful words. What is the single life? Is it a problem or is it a gift? It is a gift from God. The gift of married life to others. What is, if, you ha, if you're married today, it's a gift. It wasn't like you did something amazing. Okay, it wasn't like you, I know that for sure in my marriage, okay, like I don't deserve Trish in many ways, right? Like I just go, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. Like this was definitely the Lord. <laughs> but like, but we, we really need to carry it in that this is something that God has called us to and he, that he's given to us. It's a gift from the Lord. But in the same breath, so is singleness. I do, though, tell the unmarried, look at this, Paul, this is so cool. I do, though, tell the unmarried and widows that singleness might well be the best thing for them as it has been for me. But Paul is saying this. He says, in my church and all the churches that I go to, I preach that singleness is the best. Now, I don't think I've ever been to a church that preaches singleness might just be the best thing for you. It's like we, marriage is really given center stage and really on it. And I think it's become unbalanced to the point where it's actually hurt a lot of single people. And I think we need to acknowledge that, repent of that, and change and build a community that really actually equally honors what the Bible is telling us to honor. Amen. 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 Woo! Getting hot. <laughs> I do, though, tell the unmarried and the window, widows that singleness might well be the best thing for them, as it has been for me. But if they can't manage their desires and emotions, they should by all means go ahead and get married. The way he makes it sound to me is almost like, hey, if you can't manage this, if you can't manage this high calling, you can go down a level and get married. <laughs> you know, it's like you can, you, you, you're allowed to. Scripture's giving you this out, you know. But like he, the, the, what he's doing here is he's really exalting this life of singleness. And, and I, I just want to do the same in this church. And like just, you know, repent, guys, and say, I don't think we've done this enough. Amen. And I really think going forward, we need to think more strategically how we can do this. Um, so he says singleness is a gift from God. It's, in other words, it's not a mistake. God hasn't forgotten about you. It's a gift from him, all right? It's a simpler life is what he says, and possibly the best thing for you. I mean, that's not how singleness is promoted. We think of bus stop, right? He's saying, no, best could be the best thing for you. And he says it's the best thing for him. In other words, it's been such a blessing to him being a single man. So I want to just focus in on that verse 8 there, and I want to switch to the NIV version. It says the following. It says, but I say to the unmarried and to the widows, can you read those words? It is good for them to remain even as I am. In other words, no, it's good to be single. Now, <clears throat> guys, I don't know about you, but that is 
a radical statement. It is good to be single. I don't know about you, but like when I read that, I was like, but didn't God, when he made Adam, say it's not good that and, and come on, like we've just, how many churches have we been in where they always say it's not good that man should be a land? All the people are like, yeah. Especially those people who are engaged, you know, they're like, ha, yes, it's not good that man should be alone. And this is this like thing. But now here Paul is saying, but it is good for man to be single. It's good for a woman to be single. He's, he's bringing it up to the same level. And like, so the question is, well, what's going on here? Is the Bible, is it is it good to be single or not? <laughs> Can somebody just tell me how to feel about my singleness? Like, because we read that, you know, the Adam story, and we feel, oh, it's like it's, I'm in a not good place of life. But now Paul is this little verse that often we don't really look at and is not really lifted up. He's saying it's good for people to be single. Why is it? Is the Bible at loggerheads with each other? No. This is my take on the whole scenario. When God created the earth, he gave Adam and Eve the, the command, be fruitful and, and then fill, fill the earth, okay? And that was the plan. So it was very necessary. It was not good for Adam to be alone, right? It was very necessary for Adam to get married and start having babies. Why? So that the command of be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth could be achieved, right? Are you all with me? So it was not good in that context. That command was given in that context, but how many of you know that there is a different command for us living in the New Testament? The command to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth in the, in the sense of it talking about procreation was given then, but it's not the command that we have now living in the New Testament. The plan has changed slightly. The plan is no longer fill the earth. It, the plan is save the earth. The earth is currently filled with almost 8 billion people. 3 billion of them, in all probability, will live and die without ever hearing the gospel in their lives. That's 3 billion people. You see, the command given to Adam was given in the context of an unbroken relationship with God. He was like, Adam, they walked together. They spent time in the cool of the day. There was this unbroken fellowship with them. And he was like, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. And in God's mind was that, Adam, you've got to have children. And then those children will walk with me. And they will have children. And they will walk with me. And there will be this unbroken fellowship. And the earth will be filled with people who know me, love me, and walk with me. But how many of you know that that all changed when sin came into the earth fellowship with God was broken and so the earth got filled with people who do not know God do not obey the gospel and are actually in facing judgment against God and eternal perishing without God that's the state of the world as we know it and that's why Jesus came and he said I've come to do what what is the mission what's the plan seek and save the lost, that which has been lost. And then what was the command that he gave to his disciples in John 20? As the Father has sent me, I now send you. In other words, what's the plan? Go make a whole lot of babies and fill the earth? No, the plan is go save the earth. Go take the gospel to the ends of the earth, all right? Now that can be achieved by raising a family. You can have a family and you can raise them in the ways of the Lord and you can advance the kingdom that way. So the command is still relevant. We can still do the family thing. However, 
When you make the decision to have a family and to be married, you are entering into a phase of life that is extremely, Langer's shaking his head. Careful, Langer, your wife is right next to you, bro. <laughs> it's complicated. Marriage is complicated. Family life will slow you down a heck of a lot. And rightly so, it needs to, okay? Because you gotta think about kids and you gotta think about raising kids and you've gotta think about family life and it's not just about you running off after your dreams and your visions. There's other people to consider now in that process. You have to synchronize diaries. You have to have weekly meetings. You have to come together as families and do family planning. And there's, then there's marriage counseling because you've offended each other. And you know, there's, there's all of these things now that kind of complicates the plan. And so what Paul is saying, like this is, this is so important. What he's saying here, I wanna, I wanna show you. In verse 32, he says, but I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world and how he may please his wife. He goes on and he says, there's a difference between a wife and a virgin. Let's just acknowledge that this morning. There is a big difference between a wife and a virgin, a woman who is not yet married. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit, but she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And I say this for your own profit, not that I'm putting a leash on you, but for what is proper and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. So, <laughs> lots of amens here. <laughs> the plan, we must understand, all right, we're anchoring ourselves in 1 Corinthians 7 this morning. And we've got to get into the tone of this passage. We've got to get into the context of this passage. Paul is writing to this church in Corinth, and it is twice in this passage, he alludes to the fact that time is short. In verse 29, he says, what I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. In verse 31, he says, we are to live as those who live in the world, but are not absorbed by it. For the world, as we know, is quickly passing away. The world, as we know, is quickly passing away. So the context and the, the message that he's saying here is, guys, there is a very important mission at play here. And, and I think this is where we've kind of missed it as the church in this, in this way, is that when we think about our lives, very often we're thinking about what we want to do with our lives. I want to get married. Couple goals. Come on. Hashtag couple goals. Or, you know, I, I want to have this type of wedding, and I want to have this many kids, and I, want, and I want to get married in this place, and I want to live in this place, and I want to work in this place. And often what we do, come on, let's be honest, we build up this ideal, perfect life that we want to go after, and sometimes it's a bit of an illusion and a bit of a fantasy. 
when actually what is happening in the greater context of things above and beyond your life is that Jesus' return is imminent. His return is imminent. If they were saying that time was short back then, you got to know <laughs> that it's very short <laughs> right now. I mean, we're in the last decade now before it'll be 2,000 years before Christ was resurrected from the dead and the Holy Spirit came upon the church. Just 10 years before that is now 2,000 years. And 2,000 is very important time, all right? From Adam to Noah, 2,000. Noah to Christ, 2,000. From Christ to now, 2,000. Every 2,000 years, something big is happening. The next big event is either the rapture or Jesus comes back, all right? Those, that's it, We're depending on your end times theology. And so Paul is trying to write to this church, and he's saying, let's be in the world, but not absorbed by it. The world is all about marrying and kids, and it's all about this thing, whereas we've got to be thinking, hang on, what about the kingdom of God? How does my life implement and affect the kingdom of God in this world? What am I doing to advance the kingdom of God? You know, I was, we were, Trish and I were recently with a couple who, uh, the, the husband is in ministry and the wife is a school teacher. And I was just so blessed by what they said to me. They said, they had this conversation because the, the debate was, should she leave teaching and come into ministry with her husband? And they sat down and they reasoned it out and they said, you know what? Where are you of most impact? And they worked out that, you know what, in terms of advancing the kingdom, her greatest impact is actually at that school where there's so many lost people and so many lost teachers and she's like leading them to the Lord and bringing them into the house of God and there's a ministry that's flowing out of her. And they made a strategic decision as a couple and said, no, and before we choose our own comforts and our own little life, what we're gonna do is we're gonna think kingdom. And where will we be of most use? Where will you be of most use, married or single, for the kingdom? It's a good question. It's a good question. And, I, and I, you know, it's not like whether you feel like it or whether you don't feel like it. Think about the kingdom. Where will you be of most impact for Jesus? And be there. Serve the Lord there. This is what Paul is trying to communicate in this passage. So, to the singles this morning, I want to say to you guys, you are not choosing a lesser life. In fact, you're being extremely strategic because as a single person, you have a unique opportunity to serve the Lord in ways that might not be possible if you're married and having children. I mean, come on, guys. Think about it last week. Tony and Travis were here, and they were sharing like a very transparent moment that happened in their life. They were just being, telling us, giving us a little window into their married life. And they, there was this time where they, I mean, they were married for many years now and they had children already, small children. And Tony felt the call to, what? Go into a particular career line. She felt like God was saying, this is the area that she wants, which was completely different to what she was doing. And it meant that she would then have to go study. And what they didn't mention, that a lot of those studies were happening in Stellenbosch. And then Travis was like, okay, so we sat down and we worked this out and we agreed that this was the, the best thing for her and for the kingdom. And so they, you know, took the leap of faith. She went and studied. And what did Travis do? He put his kingdom callings on hold for a little bit. Not on hold, pause slower. Because why? He had to then be 
daddy at home, looking after girls, taking the girls to school, making sure the meals were cooked while she was traveling and studying, and then coming back and writing exams. So it was like, okay, Tony, you go forward. I'll, I'll manage this. All right, then Tony would come back, and she was like, okay, Travis, you go forward. All right. It's kind of like marriage is like a three-legged race. You throw in kids, and it's like a ten-legged race, and you tie it to all these people, and you're like, who's going first? You take a step. Okay, you take a step now. We're going forward. All right, we're moving as a team. Come on, married people. Don't you think like you're going to sink your diaries. You're going to make all this. When singles, you can just run. You can just run. You can be like, I can go study whatever I want to study. I can go on mission trips in East London. I can give all the money I want to church. I don't have to debate. I can do whatever I like. I can sharpen my kingdom gift. You are free from that. And you must see that today. Because all our society and all our churches are doing is exalting this married thing. And you're just like, ah, maybe I need to get in there because that's where life truly is. No, life is where you can serve the Lord. Amen. See, I told you I was getting warmed up for comrades. (laughs) Singles, you have a unique opportunity. Unique opportunity Hear it from us who've been married for almost 20 years. Hear it from us who've been married longer even in this house. You have an opportunity. Do not waste your opportunity. Do not waste it. You can linger longer in God's word and in prayer. (laughs) All the married people are like, yo. You know what, When, when we had kids, I actually had to grieve the loss of my quiet times in the morning. It was like my, my thing. I'd wake up every morning. I'd just have this peaceful time of just being with the Lord. Trish came along. She understood. This is my time. This is your time. Okay, cool. I still got my time. And then these babies arrived. And they're like, I'm hungry. I want food. And I'm like, in my quiet time, I'm like burping kids and trying to warm up bottles. And I'm like, I, at one point, I was like, I haven't had a quiet time in ages. I'm like a pastor in the church. This is so hard. And I had to grieve the loss of my mornings. I was like, okay, just let them go. Because why? We're building family, all right? Family's awesome. Yeah, come on, champ. (laughs) So next time you see that family and they're all happy and the kids are eating ice cream, just know that there was a story to get them out of bed that morning, all right? And dress them and brush their teeth. And make sure they got to that market on time, all right? Don't just look at that end picture and go, oh, I want to have kids. <laughs> you are free. <laughs> Use your freedom. <laughs> For all us who are married, we are imploring you today. Use your freedom. On that note, all right, there's so many avenues I can focus on when it comes to singleness this morning, but the one thing that I really am going after and what I just feel in my heart is is this word of discontentment, discontentment. And I feel like this is the pervasive feeling when it comes to singleness, all right? And it's one of the biggest battles that singles face is being discontent with the season that they're in, okay? So I want to just talk about that for a moment. Discontentment, where did it come from? Satan. (laughs) Okay, so stop it. 
All right, moving on to point number two. <laughs> Let me explain a little bit more. <laughs> What's going on this morning? Was that, yeah, that fizzy drink, yeah. <laughs> so discontentment, where did it start? It started in heaven of all places where there is just everything and anything is perfect. Nothing is out of place. That's where it started. And it started with a being called Lucifer who was arrayed in splendor and majesty and was before the throne of God and had title and had position and had so much authority and everything. And there was something in his heart that was like, hmm, I want what you have. And this is suddenly now not enough. And sin entered into his heart from a place of being discontent with where he was at. And not only that, he then went and infected one-third of the angels and brought them down with him. He literally thought he could launch a coup d'etat against God and God's throne. So he gathers one-third of his angels, of, of God's angels, convinces them that this is like what we need to do. We're going to overthrow the throne of God. I'm going to be God. And they're all like, oh, let's go. Somehow he made them discontent as well with where they were at. And they thought if they followed him, it would be better. But they all got thrown down to hell. Okay? So this is the thing about discontentment. You can feel so justified in it. You can feel like it's so right, but the end of it is always distraction. The end of it is always something that's unhealthy, okay? And though Satan arrives on earth in the garden, everything again is perfect. What does he do? He goes to Eve, and he's like, no, God's holding out on you. If you eat this, you're gonna be like him. It's gonna be better. What does he sow? Discontentment into her heart. Somehow, oh, I'm not enough. I don't have enough. There's something else. God's holding back on me. Happiness is on that side. Happiness is over there. I have to do something else. And so this is what happens. So Eve and Adam, they eat the apple, and discontentment enters the human race. And now it's the human condition, is that we're always looking for something out there to make us happy. Or we think that that next shiny thing that we buy, that's going to solve the problem. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. When, when you're young, what do you want to be? You want to be old? When you're old? <laughs> you just want to be young again. If you've got a hundred bucks, you want two hundred, right? You you want, and then when you got two hundred, you want, I want more. I want thousands. It's like you, discontentment is like we're always chasing this this pot of gold at the end of a rainbow, and we never seem to arrive at it. You know, we we've got a, an apartment. Yay! A month later, we need a bigger apartment. Then we have a bigger apartment. Yay! A month later, I think we need a house. Then we got a house. Oh, we need a bigger house. And then after we've had a big house for a while, we're like, yo, the maintenance. I want to go back to having an apartment. You know? And it's the same with our marital status. When we don't have marriage, we, we want it. And when we are married, we? Ah, don't answer, don't answer, don't answer, don't answer. <laughs> married people do not answer that. <laughs> Do not answer that one. <laughs> but this is, this is what discontentment is. And Jesus warns us against this in Matthew 19. Oh, listen to this quote by Cardi B. She just recently tweeted. She recently, I know, I'm not, I'm not really someone we want to quote in church. 
I, I get that, I get that. Okay, but we want to be like relevant, we want to know what's out there, okay? Just chill, people. <laughs> I miss my old life. Having everything gets boring. That is the human condition. Really? You're worth hundreds of millions now, and now it's like, no, nah, you want to go back? Are you sure? <laughs> this is the human condition, and its fruit is never anything healthy. Jesus said this in Luke um, 12, sorry. He said, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. Yeah. Covetousness is wanting something that somebody else has or somebody else is in in life. Discontentment and, co and covetousness are one and the same thing. They're like, they're cousins. They're in the same boat. They're, you know, they go, they go together like horse and carriage, like love and marriage. <laughs> they're, 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 they're together. So, and Jesus is saying, be on your guard against this thing. Amen. Be on your guard. Can you nudge somebody and say, be on your guard? Be on your guard. Don't let this thing in your heart. Yeah. Don't let it in. Singles, don't let it in. Live in the truth of Scripture. What is tr the truth of Scripture saying to you this morning? Is that you're free. It's a good thing. It is a gift from God. Use it wisely. Steward it wisely. If you're married this morning, same thing. Don't be discontent with your spouse. Amen? Amen. You're stuck with them, right? <laughs> Make it work. The grass is not greener on the other side. It's green where you water it. If you want a healthy marriage, sow into your marriage. A bankrupt marriage is one where you've taken out too many deposits. There's nothing left. You've got to make some installments, and then you'll have a healthy marriage, okay? Benjamin Franklin said, contentment makes poor men rich, and discontentment makes rich men poor. I want to say this to singles. This time of your life can be made poor and miserable if you allow discontentment in. And the way Jesus is saying it makes it, me think that this is something that we need to be on guard about, but that we have authority over. And we can actually kick it out of our lives and move on and not let it in. That's what, this is what Scripture is telling us. So back to our Scripture, 1 Corinthians 7. I'm, I'm closing soon. It says the following. Verse 17. Don't be wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. <laughs> Married and singles, right? Where you are right now is God's place for you. Live and obey and love and believe right there. God, not your marital status, defines your life. Amen. Come on, let's give Scripture a hand. Eh? Yo. <clears throat> Satan is always going to try and make you discontent with the season you're in. Resist it. Get it out. To the singles, he's going to lie to you. He's going to say, when, you be, when you're married, that's when you'll be happy. When you're married, that's when life really starts. When you're married, that's when your dreams are going to be fulfilled. I want you to know that marriage is powerless to do that to you. Amen. You want truth this morning? It's going to set you free. If you're unhappy before you get married, <laughs> you're going to be unhappy afterwards. Because it's a you problem. 
All right, it's, it's not an everybody else problem. Unhappiness is a you problem. And best you get it sorted out, because you want some other truth this morning? The happiest marriages are marriages between a man and a woman who were fully satisfied in God before they got married. They did not need marriage to complete them. They were not thinking, this is going to make me happy. They were not thinking, guys, they were not thinking, finally, I don't have to cook anymore. I can have sex when I want to have sex. They were not thinking that, okay? Ladies, they were not thinking, finally, I've got a guy who can meet all my needs and give me the lifestyle that I want. Can can I, let's go down a little rabbit hole here for a moment. Are you okay? Can I tell you what marriage really is this morning? And this is really important. Like we need to get this because I think out there there's another picture that's being sold to us about what marriage is. You know, we see these couples taking selfies on the, you know, in their best outfits in tuxedos. They look so good. Now they're in Thailand. Now they're in London. Now they just bought matching bathrobes. <laughs> you do that so well. Thank you. You're the best. <laughs> and we can think in our mind, oh, marriage is about taking selfies with a significant other in a significant place. <laughs> I think when Paul was writing this passage, when he said marriage, right, I think he meant something different to what we think when we talk about marriage. Why? Well, because it almost seems like the tone of 1 Corinthians 7 is actually discouraging people from marriage. Now, it's like confusing. Like, we live in a world where it's all about selfies with significant others, and it's like, ah, why is he telling us not to get married and singleness is better? Why, 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 why? Maybe his definition of marriage and your idea of marriage are not the same. Can I tell you what a biblical picture of marriage is? Marriage is a covenant. It is a covenant. It is the highest form of agreement that exists. The Bible is divided into the old covenant and the new covenant. Speaks about the highest relationship that God has with man. He doesn't have contracts with man, he has covenants with man. Marriage is not a contract, it is a covenant. It's a covenant agreement before God, sealed by God, okay? And the best way for me to describe that to you is from a devotional that Trish and I were doing when we were first getting married. We read the story about this young couple that fell in love, and they got engaged, and they got married, and it wasn't long after they got married that the wife was in a horrific car accident. And she was crippled for life. And her face was distorted from the crash that her lips weren't even together for the rest of her life. In fact, to kiss her, he had to change his lips. And for the rest of his life, that man looked after her. And he stayed married to her. And they lived their entire lives together in that state. Now, God forbid that should ever happen to any of us. But guys, when you stand at the altar and you say, for better or for worse, or in 
health or in sickness, that is covenant. That's like whether it's good or whether it's bad, I'm here for you. Whether I actually have to end up looking after you for the rest of my life. And, and my dream of the life that we could have had that doesn't actually happen, this covenant comes above that. Amen. It comes above any ideas that I had thereafter. Yeah. That is what marriage really is. Yeah. And it's, so that's why, guys, you don't want to just get married, ne? And Jay, like, yeah, hey, we don't like you, let's get married, yeah, it's exciting. No. You do, and that's why you do not want to get married to the wrong person as well. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. You know, I, I, I recently heard a story, um, just re- a real life story, just the other week, about a couple that got married a number of years ago, and they decided after a few years of marriage that they wanted to have kids, and then they couldn't have kids, and they struggled for a while, struggled for a while, and then eventually, like, trying to work out, why can't we have kids? And the problem was on his side, his biology, wasn't, he was not able to have kids and would never be able to have kids. She divorced him. Yeah, she divorced him and she went and married another man and she had babies and built a family with that man. Now, I want to say to you that that, before then, was not marriage. What they had before then, what, in her mind, when she got into that, when she said for better or for worse, she didn't mean it. She had a cheap knockoff and she was more interested in her own pleasures in life than she was in making a vow before God on that day. Guys, that is the reality of marriage. It might not always work out the way you think, but you're making a commitment today to say, I'm gonna be there. You know, when Jesus was talking about marriage in Matthew 19 with his disciples, they were like, he was there in that time, you know what, it was so common in their, their time, like it is in our time, to divorce your wife if she just, if you don't feel like she's meeting your needs. If she, ah, she doesn't really cook as well anymore, and she's just getting a little bit older, I'm gonna trade it in for a younger virgin. Here's a letter of divorce. Guys, you can do that today in South Africa. You can literally divorce somebody without them even knowing. They can find out via a court letter, all right, and it's over, just like that. That's how you can treat marriage. And Jesus was like, guys, this, what you think about marriage is completely not what God had in the beginning. And he went back to Genesis and he unfolded what covenant really is and the two becoming one. You want to know the disciples' reaction after hearing what marriage really is? It's priceless. Matthew chapter 19. Have you got it there? Matthew chapter 19, what did they say? They spoke up and said, if this is the standard then it seems better to never get married. (laughs) We don't really preach that too often, hey? (laughs) That is priceless. So ladies, if you're thinking like, I'm gonna marry this guy and I'm gonna step into this lifestyle because he's got money, what happens if he loses his job and he's not able to work for the rest of his life? God forbid, but are you still there? Or is that a deal breaker for you? Because if it's a deal breaker, then don't get into marriage. You know, while we hope and expect for the best, when we make that covenant, that's our covenant. We stand by it. Well, come come what may, that's what marriage is. And so if, now now that's that's weighty, right? You can feel the weight. Singles are like going, You're feeling it now, huh? You're feeling it now. You're feeling like, yes, (laughs) okay. I really do have freedom here. 
Guys, <clears throat> to the singles this morning, if you, if you still feel like you're called for marriage, like you're single now, but you still feel like you're called for marriage, then I wanna say this to you. Prepare yourself for covenant. Prepare yourself for covenant because the person you are now is the same, per you will take that person into marriage. <laughs> so if, if purity is an issue now, I'm gonna tell you now, marriage is not gonna just suddenly get rid of that thing. You're gonna take that thing and you're gonna struggle it, you're gonna cause somebody else to come into that struggle with you. Do you want them to go through that struggle? Are you fully healed from your past and your childhood and all of that? Have you dealt with all this? Are you clean, are you forgiven, are you healed? Have you dealt with those issues? Well, if, if you're not, like, go for it. Get, it. get that stuff sorted out. This is your time. Why? Because marriage is not there to complete you. Amen. It's not this magic thing that suddenly now you're going to get this person and all those issues you struggle with and things that you had are now going to be solved. No, marriage is not two halves making a whole. Like Travis said last week, marriage is two holes to make another hole. Amen. Right? That is a healthy marriage. So, to the singles... Please understand what marriage really is. And please understand this. You are free from a great responsibility right now. So use your freedom to better yourself and to serve the kingdom. Sharpen your skills, man. You know, become excellent at your craft and what God's called you to do with your life. Go on every single mission trip you can. Serve the Lord with abandon. Pray longer in the, in the spirit. Develop yourself. And, 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 and what you will find is that that time will be actually a joyous time and a time well spent before God gives you the gift of marriage. Okay, let's finish the message there. <laughs> Everyone, you don't want to get married anymore, hey? I think I just, <laughs> I feel like there's not going to be any weddings for the rest of the year now. It's just going to be like, guys who are sitting here this morning, you were thinking about it, I just like, whew. We'll talk again. <laughs> um, let's finish with some words from Jesus. Matthew 19, can we stand to our feet? <clears throat> Matthew 19, Jesus said the following. He said, not everyone is meant to remain single. Hallelujah. Only those whom God gives grace to be unmarried. Okay, so what do we learn from that? There's grace to be unmarried. There's grace available. And it's the same for married people. If you're in marriage right now and marriage is tough and you're struggling through it and there's misunderstandings and you're fighting with each other and you're, doing, you're not getting each other, you're not on the same page, I want you to know there's grace. God is there to help you through it. But to the singles, there is grace from God to help you through this season. He says, he goes on, he says, for some are born to celibacy. Others have been made eunuchs by others. And there are some who have chosen to live in celibacy for the sake, sacred purpose of heaven's kingdom realm. <clears throat> have you got that scripture? Can you put it up? You haven't. Matthew 19. For, and there are some who have chosen to live in celibacy for the sacred purpose of heaven's kingdom realm, that those who can accept this truth, that those who can accept this truth for themselves. 
Jesus can actually ask you to remain celibate for the rest of your life. If he is Lord, he can do that, right? Just as much as he can give you marriage. Amen? Some of you are like, ah, he can't. <laughs> he can, okay? And whatever you face with, whatever your destiny is, whatever he's called you to, know this, there is grace to walk it through. <clears throat> I think this morning as we are handing out the communion elements and we're gonna just take it together as a family, I think, I think it's fitting to think this morning with about, just about where we are in terms of the kingdom and how important the kingdom is in our lives. Marriage is not the be all, be and be all, be all and end all of life. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> but it is helpful and it is honorable and it is amazing. It is a gift from God. But it's not the be all and end all of life. Where you are is where you need to serve the Lord. So I want to finish this morning by just having a moment of consecration and just where you are right now, just where are you on this issue? If you're, in mar if you're married this morning, I wanna ask you the question, is this advancing the kingdom of God? Or is this just like you pursuing a happy, comfortable life of the next thing, of the next thing? To the singles this morning, you're struggling with discontentment, you've been thinking that you know, marriage is gonna end all of that for you, or maybe you've just look down on the season in your life. I wanna encourage you this morning to make a recommitment to the Lord and to serving the Lord with joy and maximizing the season that you're in right now. And we're gonna do that by taking communion together. So just take a moment to pray. And just humble yourself before the Lord and let those questions sink in. <clears throat> And let's break bread and then take it together. Lord, we remember the great sacrifice at Calvary. We remember your body that was broken for us. I remember, Lord Jesus, that you came to save and rescue us from ourselves. And you purchased us to be your own people who would be passionate for the things of your kingdom. Lord, let your passion that took you to that cross be in us this morning as we take this bread. And let's take the cup. And Lord, we remember your blood that was shed for us. Your blood speaks of better things, speaks of covenants and the relationship that we have with you. And we remind ourselves this morning that the best blessing we have is you relationship with you and I pray Lord this morning that our relationship with you would would take the place that it deserves in our lives I pray this morning Lord God for us as a community that we would be a community that lives firstly in great relationship with you and then in great relationship with others 
Lord, for all the singles this morning, I pray for strength and grace for the season that they're in. Lord, may you grace them to, to maximize their days, to be fruitful in these days. And Lord, to all the marrieds this morning, I pray that you would grace them to have God-honoring homes, kingdom-advancing marriages, because we remind ourselves this morning, Lord, that time is short, and the plan is to go and make disciples of all nations. So I just pray this blessing over your people this morning. Lord, may your people prosper in everything that they do this week. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Amen, church. Let's go have some tea and coffee outside. Let's talk about this word a little bit more. Join a connect group this week. We'll have an iConnect for you and where you can get into some more discussion on it. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Be blessed.